0: Hello friends, welcome to another episode of the TFC Audio Project. In this episode, Mike and I have a conversation with fellow physiotherapist Nick Hanna during our recent trip to London, Ontario. We talk about what physical therapy is to each of us, how school needs to change, our role as agents of behavior change, and we cover a few thought-provoking questions about hypothetical cases and how we would each approach them. This episode is sponsored by the TFC Footnote Programme. It's an online education program we're launching in 2019 to build a global network of people who understand the body and foot health in particular. The program is designed to expand our teaching team so we can scale up our seminars and workshops and give more of them around the world each year. We just put out a more detailed update with Module 1 available online, and it lays out why we created the program, what's included, the costs, how to apply, and any other relevant information if you're curious. For more information on that, visit thefootcollective.com and click on the Foot Nerd Program tab. This episode is also sponsored by our travel partner, Nanook Protective Hard Cases. We use their gear to transport our stuff for seminars and workshops. They make super high-quality cases that keep your electronics safe during travel, and you can check out their cases at nanook.com, N-A-N-U-K dot That's it for sponsors. We had a great chat with Nick. We hope you enjoy it. It's the TFC Audio
1: Project
0: it's a collective effort help people understand their bodies starting at the feet are the gateway for people to see that there's an issue you know a foot conversation is always a whole body conversation. hey folks nick mike and another nick here today on the tfc audio project so today is going to be more of an episode that talks about physio as a whole we're all physios uh we're in london ontario about to teach um fundamentals course tomorrow so we wanted to get together nick is on social media as hannah moves um and uh Kind of seems like he thinks pretty similarly to us, which is a little bit different from what the status quo is, is in physio. So interesting to have a conversation. So um yeah, we'll talk about kind of more of the physio world in general, but we'll uh we'll throw in
2: some sort of foot mention there at some point. So I think we should start by defining what physical therapy is or what we think it is. Because yeah. I think a lot of people are confused these days and a lot of people before I entered the field I didn't actually have a good concept of what it was. Mm-hmm. Um and it's weird because I actually, like, I signed up for a multiple thousand dollar program without, <laughs> without knowing really what it was. Yeah, you committed to a career without even knowing <laughs> what that career my was. I committed to a career without knowing what it was. But I think a lot of people, like, and I even had the knowledge, more knowledge than some people, like, my dad was a sport med doc. But, yeah, let's start with that. Like, what, what do you, what is physical therapy to you?
0: Well, I, one thing even just to say before that is, like, I think in general people think that physiotherapy is a place you go when you get hurt and i think that's like step one is we only see people when they're broken down this is very silly this is like people never being able to bring their car into a mechanic shop until it's exploded it's like it's very it's kind of a anyway i think the perception is physio is where you go when you get hurt but i think you know the way our clinic in ottawa is like it is just a health center and i think we need to I don't know what you guys think, but I think it can be way broader, and we need to almost like create a definition because I don't think there is one for that right now.
3: Man, you're diving off the deep end, right? Away. Yeah, we're going we're going deep <laughs> here.
0: We're not we're not we're it. not
2: starting slow. Yeah, like there, was no, there was no there no introduction there. Yeah, good thing it's right. <laughs> well, you could why don't you introduce yourself because it's a new voice, yeah? And
3: then we'll get into that a little bit deeper. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm uh, yeah. My name is Nick Hanna. I'm uh, I'm a physiotherapist. I think uh, I think. Uh, although we don't know what physiotherapy is, so, you know. <laughs> evidently. Um, Hopefully, by the end we know. Yeah, I work. Uh, I work in London, Ontario, and I graduated from Western University in 2015. So I've been practicing um, for the last three and a bit years, and yeah. So we're all Western grads, cool. and yeah, just doing my thing in London. That's that's uh, saving lives, that's right? Safe, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> uh, as far as defining physiotherapy as a whole. I mean, I think at the heart of our profession, we are health professionals trying to instill behavior change, Um, and that's kind of at the heart of what we do, but that behavior change really goes along with um, movement or activity in some sort of way. Mm -hmm. So I think at the very soul of what we do, it's people coming to see us who have been taken away from some sort of movement or activity in their life, whether it's from um pain or or lack of lack of uh, strength or um, you know stiffness mobility issues, and so therefore they're coming to see us as a means of hopefully getting back to those things mm-hmm. so that's just my best Friday afternoon answer
2: I like what you said about behavior change though because yeah, I me too we've been discussing that recently it's like ultimately you can have all the information and all of the um the courses and all the knowledge in the world, but you're not going to necessarily instill change on somebody until, uh, you, you allow them to, or you, you help them change their behavior. And and
0: have think, to. you're like inspiring them to make good changes in their life by selling them on, on
2: why it's worth it for them to do that.
0: Right? And then, mm-hmm. then guiding them. And yeah, so like you said, showing it's them like, the way.
2: ultimately the behavior is what matters the most, but you also have the tools from a movement and mobility standpoint to, to help them so it's like here's the problem you need to we need to get you to ultimately change something or change your behavior or direct you down a certain path here's the solution in terms of movement and mobility etc mm-hmm. so you can't come you can't have one without the other basically well how did
1: really?
0: you okay so two things what was your undergrad in and then how did you why did you want to become a physio
3: i was i did my undergraduate degree at uh the university of waterloo yeah i did a kinesiology okay, uh, okay. degree there So you're like a movement science yep undergrad yeah cool and I wanted to be a physiotherapist for uh, two main reasons I wanted to actually in high school like I, I kind of made the decision that that's what I wanted to do. one is kind of a more personal reason being that one of my grandparents was um, had a pretty severe stroke was in hospital and I kind of got to see uh, the rehab side of physiotherapy going oh, from yeah an acute neuro situation and um, watching him go through that process of being quite debilitated and quite bedbound to back to being my grandpa, which is pretty mm-hmm. sweet. What well, course? Um, what
0: period of time? Like, how? What was the span of time that that happened over?
1: Both oh extremes. Gosh.
3: That's a good question. I think it was over at least six months. Like, it was quite okay. quite a uh, prolonged period. Huh. And then, and then, just growing up getting injured in sports and yeah. being exposed to outpatient clinics um did you do so did you do physio when you got injured yes yeah and did i you did. find it effective i i for the most part yeah for the most part, i was okay. a bad patient but, okay. <laughs> but yeah. everyone says that yeah so
2: that's very interesting that you did physio and i think a lot of people in our class actually did physio too yeah. like i personally didn't do physio myself and i don't think you did too um so maybe that's a big reason why
3: somebody would choose to do it um or know what it's about but but yeah yeah we've just yeah maybe we've seen we've seen the side of it that is helpful and and mm-hmm. and utilized um I just want to go back to what we were talking about about behavior change, because I was just thinking how um maybe the parts of practice that matter the most um it's almost like we're taught in reverse when you think about school like we're taught from a very bio neurophysiological perspective and mm-hmm. then work our way out mm-hmm. to a movement problem and then um to the greater context of the human in front of you and in in terms of their lives when really when you are going out in practice it should be like the reverse Absolutely. like the, so the, true. the first very thing true. that somebody comes in um and talks to you about is is their life and their problems and mm-hmm. what's uh what they're coming to see you for how that is getting in the way of things and then you, so you almost bring it from a very humanistic, holistic perspective, and then you work the opposite way. And so I think part of what's missing in our training is, like, we should maybe match that. Like how, mm. learn how to interact with a human being and get the information you need first. Um, learn how to listen and understand where they're coming from first. And then, um, you know, certainly don't miss the piece of our job, which is the the utility and value of our assessment. but. Mm um yeah i just think it's interesting how it doesn't there's kind of a mismatch there
2: i think it's i think 100 percent agree it's like you need to know somebody's story like in order to to help them change their story Mm. um and that's purely like not purely but a lot of that's psychological and i think like it's interesting we came from a psychology background too that's why
0: i mentioned that like i think that was very powerful because i think Mm. Like you, can, like you said before, you can be the smartest brain, know every single assessment, although whether or not any of those assessments are useful, you know, maybe it is another story. But mm-hmm. even if you are the perfect physical therapist according to what you learn in school, you can be a terrible physical therapist in actual reality. Very right? true. Because mm-hmm. you can be... And and I think, like, at Western, the marks are so insane. I don't know if that's changed since we graduated, but, like, the marks were insanely high when we Very applied true. and mm-hmm. got in. So you're, you're taking... Like it's hilarious. The people that were the latest to get into our program when we graduated or that had the worst marks coming in, I thought would be the – when we graduated, I was like, those are the best physios because they know how to talk to people. They know how to communicate. They know how to, like, be a human and not a robot assessing, like, an a, a, just a machine. You become very good at, like, reading people or, you know. I well, think that's so important. Actually,
2: that's interesting that you say that because you're saying that as a part of the program, we should be taught down that – from that same mindset – And you're saying that they didn't screen basically you know ability to communicate yeah. uh, psychology and all of these you know empathy all of these things mm-hmm. that we need underlying in the field but but they're also not teaching it so it's yeah. like it's twofold maybe if they taught it they would realize this is a more important thing to screen for and exactly. maybe we should start screening instead of just purely marks well them not knowing um, it's important
0: appears in both those aspects. yeah it's like how can Thank
2: you how are you at interacting how emotionally intelligent are you mm-hmm. because that's ultimately what's going to make the the change when you get into your career and why right? do you think that is
0: that they're not doing okay so
2: you graduated it's in, like, how many years of experience are
0: here? Under 10. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Wait, how, how long since we graduated? We,
2: we got 10. We got, we got 10. Um, well, it's been two, 2013
0: to 20. Um, so we got five. Okay, so five let, than, each, whatever. Yeah. So whatever this year, three people, relatively new into this career, have come to a conclusion that makes a lot of sense, and yet, like, all these people that control the faculty or the program, are they just so deep into the way it's been done for a long time they don't even see this? Like, where's the disconnect there? Because, like, this should be, we came to this realization and it makes a lot of intuitive, logical sense, yet they're not changing how they teach. That's a big component.
3: Oh, my goodness.
0: I mean... Slash teaching 84 special tests for the shoulder when you just have to look at someone's (laughs) posture. (laughs) You look at Quasimodo, you don't have to rip their shoulder (laughs) in 80 different directions to to see, oh, okay, I think I know what the root cause is. Anyway, sorry. But it maybe
3: emerged at a time when, uh, like, there wasn't a lot of, of research at hand at that time that maybe showed that there was uh, a lot of what we do. There is so much grain uncertainty about it. Like Mm -hmm. there wasn't a whole lot of testing about like special tests or, or, you know, the reliability and validity of of mobilizations and and motion assessment and, and things like that. So, I mean, maybe that's part of it. And now that we see more and more emerging where there's so much uncertainty about what we do and why things are effective, maybe aren't effective for the reasons we once thought. And so uh, like, hopefully there's a, a change that we see coming uh, of how we screen and recruit people for our programs. Mm-hmm. Because I think at the end of the day, what uh, it, you're right, what the things that matter uh, to, to actually help the person in front of you, a lot of times don't really boil down to, clinical skills that are technically based Mm -hmm. they're they're more so based on evaluating the person in front of you and their individual needs and then yeah creating like a very creative game plan between the two of you and and agreeing upon where to go and how you're going to get there um it's so that's a loaded question Would would
2: you say that it almost in what you just said there made me think of it as like almost the we're basing it on the medical model that currently exists mm-hmm. as well so if you look at what a, a doctor is really a, a, a medical doctor is the same way they'll do a uh, tons of different tests but they won't necessarily look at the person in front of them and i think ultimately maybe we're we're follow, we're getting some like i don't know we're being influenced by that as a, as a profession as well um probably for good reason because that's kind of the we're not for good reason but that's just because of the way that's it's been done but mm-hmm. I don't know what are your like comments, we William? most
3: definitely evolved out of the the biomedical model. Yes, same exactly. Same with our, our our research. Like the randomized mm-hmm. control trial is is you know evolved wholly out of the the biomedical model and and trying to isolate for variables and trying to you know figure out what aspects uh, are having a specific effect. And now you know there's there's increasingly some controversy and question as to whether or not like like the randomized control trial is the best way to evaluate what we do because you mm-hmm. can't you can't separate so so much of what we do when we interact with a person. And so yeah, we're most not definitely sim- – We're not simple creatures. No, like we're, we're not – multivariate
0: mechanism, yeah. you can't just be like, oh, I'm going to do a black and white study. This is the gold standard. It's like, well, I don't know.
2: That's kind of, That's kind of a scary notion that the very metric that we use to – create all of these systems is in question it's like hmm is this even the best way to like think about these constructs that we've made in the first place so yeah i think it has to go like you say that's almost like a loaded question it goes very very deep and you almost have to look at like where did these things come about and like what's the 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 whole structure behind these things but But,
0: yeah and there is a lot like i think the parallel between medical and physio and physical therapy or rehab rehab professions uh, let's say mm -hmm. as a whole there is some crazy things happening in both those to show that we're really not doing... Like, for example, why do doctors spend way more time learning about what drugs to give people and what not to give people because they might interact with another drug? How much time do they spend doing that? How much time do they spend learning about movement, sleep, and diet? Like, there's hardly anything spent on the really three important ones there and a lot spent on the non-important. Same with physios. Like, when you learn how to do mobilizations or assess whether something's you know up with the shoulder but you don't learn how to explain to people that being in this position all day long is the really the big problem at hand Mm -hmm. so we don't learn like it's not the big picture is never told to us it's specific joint related pathologies and how do you micromanage the byproduct of the real problem but we we just weren't taught how to deal like we didn't even get shown a hinge in physio school
3: this
2: is crazy I think that's you a didn't? good place to go. No, did you get to tinge? Oh, good. I'm glad I yeah. got updated in the curriculum.
3: But hip hinging all day. Okay, so, so okay. That's, maybe oh, that's I don't a know good if you're place. being
2: serious right now. Is that yeah,
1: real? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. We okay, okay, okay. Yeah. That's good. So yeah.
2: So maybe that's a good place to kind of steer ourselves as like, if we get into now like the the nitty gritty of physio, talking about like how it's looked at as a profession versus how we maybe should look at it. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Like we've talked about kind of like the overarching principles behind it, but like if now if we're talking about like, okay, somebody comes in with, with something that we see commonly, how do we look at this this human in front of us in terms of like the actual movement and correctives and all that? Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that versus like the way we do it now versus maybe where it should be going?
3: Well, I mean like uh, I'm not sure I understand your question, Mike. So, So like are you asking – like where where things are right now, where you think we should go from an assessment perspective? Maybe,
2: maybe how should we look at it a bit differently or where would you look at it differently if somebody... Cause I think, give an example. Give an example. If you like the, We classically, as physios, I think, are looking at things very, like you said before, very... Um, you know, we break it down by body part and we kind of really hone in on things like... Uh, pain at the site of where the pain is mm. and it's all it's almost like we're getting sidetracked by by certain things and honing in so far um, on these things like like pain and again maybe we can talk about pain after because it's pain is very misleading and there's multiple factors behind pain right um, but I think we get sidetracked by pain at a body part and then we put like an X on that body part right. and then um, you know the big picture is again um, more how is this person moving um, what do they do with their bodies on a daily yeah. basis okay
3: Okay, I see what you're saying. So I think, um, I don't even want to talk about where we are now. I just think what what we as a profession need to consider um, just moving forward if we're we're not already heading this direction is when a person comes to see you, um, when you hear their story, you got to first just understand as much as you can about the context of their life. So Mm -hmm. if they're, let's just use an example. They're a super busy, single, middle-aged mom and they don't really have a ton of time to to move or they don't have you know much that they do to uh stay active or be active or they don't have a movement practice or whatever and then you understand like some of the maybe the big sort of yellow flag sort of items in their life that might have relevance to their presentation so like how are they sleeping uh what is their nutrition like um what's their stress level like Mm -hmm. um What are their thoughts and feelings about their current situation and their their own pain, their thoughts and feelings about pain. So understand that kind of stuff first. So you have a a context Mm -hmm. and then you see, okay, what really is this person coming to see me for now? Like what motivated them to come in Mm -hmm. to see me now? So you get the context of where they're coming from and then you from that question can derive, okay, what do they want? What do they want from me?
0: And they'll tell you it's pain Mm -hmm. at a specific site right but sometimes you get the vibe you're like i don't think it's just pain that like you're you're lost you're lost and you're looking for a direction whether or not it's your actual patellar pain or you're just lost in general Mm -hmm. like you just don't feel good yeah and
3: and i i try and change people's mindset and framework to um you know i want to get rid of my pain to okay i want to get rid of my pain because like why like what is it getting in the way of now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so you have the context of where they're coming from you have their motivations for seeing you and then once you perform an assessment you i mean really like i like simple so i if i'm doing any sort of movement assessment i'm just trying to figure out what movements are provocative and which movements aren't and then you know i i don't mind looking at you know full body mobility stuff like looking at joints above and below seeing what they're doing um just to get a context of like what may be contributors or what may be potential avenues that I could get them away from pain or desensitize a little bit. But then you just sit down and you map out, okay, so what is into this pain presentation? Okay, so we know maybe you don't do a lot of moving. These are the main stressors in your life. These are other relevant factors. And then you just map out a game plan between the two of you of what are the things that you can change. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And what is the most feasible? And if it's somebody who... What's the low-hanging fruit? Yeah, if, if it's somebody who's super busy and they don't go to a gym, then you got to give them simple movement strategies that are going to be, you know, like little snacks throughout the day that they can mm-hmm. chew on and, and, and utilize whenever they can. Or just now in line with that analogy stop eating junk food all day yeah like yeah, maybe just not?
0: change the environment yeah. you work in Beautiful. Not not junk food per se but like sitting being junk food like yeah. instead of saying do all this extra shit it's like maybe just do less of this stuff because we know mm-hmm. that that's not good for your body
2: yeah because i think that a lot of us don't look into what you just said or or don't inquire about it um, and again, that can be the the limiting factor as to why they Dude, they do or don't get better. You
3: think you can do that in the 15 minute appointment every time someone comes in? Yeah, yeah. like this. So that's another big problem, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, but then you got to be smart. Like if it, like that's doable in 30 minutes. Like yeah. if if you can use screening measures, like you can have people fill out stuff before they come see you. Like you can already get a sense of like what they're going through even before you see them. That's true. And then true. when you do see them, then you then you just maximize uh, the, the time by focusing on what matters the most, right? Like, mm-hmm. what are the biggest, most relevant factors? Start there mm-hmm. and then move from there, right? Like, I, you're right, I I don't have time to like check out ev- maybe every little thing that I want to see with somebody. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if it's not relevant to them and if it's not going to be feasible within their day, then maybe it's not the right approach anyway. Yeah. So, I don't know, I just I just think like, we need to do a better job thinking about the whole context of a person's life and then understand, okay, what kind of game plan is going to fit in their life? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that's a big missing variable and something that I've really tried to challenge myself with the last year. Like, because what fits in their life is probably not three exercises, three sets of 10. Yeah. And maybe not that's something that I give a shit about. Yeah. Like so, something that I've, you know, I I'm trying really hard not to impose my bias on somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're, I want everybody to, you know, want to go to the gym and Mm -hmm. do deadlifts and squat and do all this cool stuff, but that's not a realistic part of people's lives a lot Mm -hmm. of the time. That
2: just doesn't fit their story. It doesn't fit who they want necessarily even want to be. Yeah, so if you don't even know their
0: story, you obviously wouldn't realize that that
2: doesn't fit their story. Mm
0: -hmm. It's back to the same thing. Like, get it, get it is you really have to build rapport with people like because i I think i went through a phase where i thought of someone's body like they were a robot which was extremely effective at troubleshooting movement for example Mm -hmm. but then you miss out on the bigger context sometimes of the real reason why someone is having so many problems is not because of just their body it's because of other things too like even just telling someone to sleep eight hours a night it's crazy how much better like
2: people literally come in looking more vibrant after they act, if yeah. some if they actually take your advice and it's some education too it's like here's why like a lot of people don't even aren't even aware of the and, I, and like you know conceptually they are or on the surface level they are i know i should get more sleep but then it's like but it's strategy. if you give them you some give education and then some strategies so it's like and just bring it to their awareness like let's let's play this game here if we re-engineered a few of these things and, and here's how you here's how you can do it and and here's Here's some suggestions on how you might go about doing this. But these things, it's the trickle-down effect. Like, when you hit one thing and the dominoes go. And sometimes, mm-hmm. again, their knee issue might be their sleep issue, right? Or, again, that's playing yeah, a part partly, in it.
3: Part, partly. partly, yeah. Like, ten, you can't, you can't separate it. Yeah, you can't separate it. That person's no. totally to learn how to squat. Yeah, they should. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, should probably, we should probably look it's, at it, other they moving. But, but it, don't it, discount it,
0: it, the other stuff, too. No, and, no, no, and, it's, and the other thing, too, is, like, don't discount how important the other shit is that they might not get anywhere else. Right. Yes. They might, maybe, their doc, maybe they never talk about sleep with their doctor. This is real fact. So if you're a phys, back to this whole thing of like, what is the limit of physical therapy? Well, you're treating a human being, and it, it's in way more than just their MSK system, mm-hmm. or at least we have the potential to. Because we're we're having conversations. Like we do an hour long assessment. You sit down. You ask a person. You try and you're like, okay, this person has an issue right now. I got to figure out what the issue is and I got to do everything I can to make, to help them get rid of the issue or improve their life, their quality of life. So it's, it's like, like, you can help a lot of things.
2: It's like why is the engine light on? That's a big thing. Right. And you're saying there's many reasons why, like they're usually coming to you for their, the, you know, pain is what brings people to us. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're saying like, but I think if you take physio at face value, someone comes in with knee pain, they leave no knee pain.
0: If you look at physical therapy as you can literally optimize this person's entire physical and like get them educated physically and mentally, they can leave with no knee pain and understand that sleep is important for the rest of their life and know how to manage stress better and know the basics of what they should be putting in their mouth that makes them feel better every day. Like they can leap. That can be physical therapy,
3: and then I think that it doesn't really require that much more, right? It's but going to be it, different depending on the person you see, too. Right? Yeah, like for it's sure. always every every takeaway that somebody's going to walk out of your office from or your clinic from mm-hmm. is going to be different because their needs are going to be different. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it, it is hard to define, like, sort of, you know, what are all the things we should be focusing on and, like, what should make up a good physiotherapy assessment. And the reality is is it's going to be different depending on every person you see because everybody's needs are so complexly different. And the interactions it- are, are way beyond, I like, like, even that I'm ever gonna understand. Right? But sometimes like little tidbits, right, can just set this positive cascade forward like like yeah, try and get a better night's sleep. Like you 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 educate them on like just simple like sleep hygiene tips, right? Instead of like oh like what's the best position to sleep, Nick? Yeah, and I'm like <laughs> I don't give a shit the way you sleep. It's just like the way that your eyes I, shut. I'm just like I, I just care about what the hell you do throughout the day and like Very how not. you prepare not, yourself for sleep. For yeah. so yeah. exactly. It's like turn your freaking lights off two hours before you go to sleep. Like stop looking at
1: screens. Don't like, drink like, coffee one hour like,
3: before you go to bed. Yeah. Oh my God. Get a cool room. Yeah. Like get some white noise in there. And the amount
0: of Instagram posts you see about best pillow position makes your head hurt. Or I know. Like best sleep position. Sleep like this. Don't sleep like this. It's like, oh god, this is the wrong conversation
2: to be having. Yeah, no, it's so true. Well, what are your What are your thoughts on, let's say, pain in general as it pertains to maybe your way of treatment or your practice? Uh, what are your thoughts around that? Just in general, we can kind of riff on that.
3: Oh man, it's like i'm obsessed with pain so i did you take walton's pain course in, uh, i didn't get to man I, I, we I didn't think, either it's that the only course i would have wanted to take I, now dude dave's a g i love dave so i think that's why i when i first got out of school got so into just learning more about pain signs in general mm-hmm. and then greg lehman just ruined me like he is just a crazy man like he's way too smart so i took one of his courses and then that totally rocked my my world and how i saw everybody and um you hate when that happens but you also love when that happens. I,
0: i've had a couple of those moments too i'm like shit i've been doing it wrong you the hate, entire time you hate it
3: because it means like you have to really look at yourself in the mirror and yeah. and and actually work hard to change what you've be, become accustomed to and I you know we like that's just the way humans grow like you need to change and you need to adapt and you need to um, but some people do yeah fair enough you need to apply like new information as it comes to you and as you learn and you're just trying to do your best and I think yeah. doing your best you know comes with self-reflection and you know truly making amends to the way you approach people but but it's easy um, not to
0: is what i'm saying and i think
3: a lot of people absolutely. don't do it
0: because it's too easy to be a physio that talks to people every day and they come into the clinic and most of the people get better you're doing you're doing the best thing you know how to do to help people mm-hmm. but exactly. if you're not being constantly self-critical and i would argue if you're in the health fashion seeking out ways to challenge your thinking and find better ways because if you're not actively trying to find better ways you can still be a good yeah. therapist but but there's no You're not looking for the... Like, you're going to courses to look for moments where you're like, oh, i got to do this very differently. And I think it's in physio, especially, what I see, especially in, like, the older generation of physio, there's not... That same hunger to try and see how quickly you can evolve what you're doing Mm -hmm. isn't there in some. I think that needs to be there.
3: So, yeah. Oh, totally, man. Um, Sorry. The way I I look at pain in the clinic, I just, like, try and look more... um, holistically at the person, I guess, is, is the simplest way to, to put it. So, um, we are very bio trained, right? Mm. So we're trained to look for biological nociceptive or, or movement provoking, uh, sort of inputs into, uh, you know, a, a pain system. But now I'm trying to look at, okay, like what other, uh, that's why I screen like yellow flags and like th- get a sense of what their expectations are, what their beliefs are as what pain means and, and other things like sleep and other factors that we know are involved in, in pain as well. And then just the greater context of, uh, their life, like what social aspects of, of their life maybe aren't they doing or, um, that pain is getting in the way of. And so it's really just trying to get a sense of maybe all the factors that might be into somebody's, uh, pain experience. And I mean, like in terms of educating people about pain, I, it it just really depends on, on the person. Like really, I think the, the simple message is that pain isn't ever one thing. Like Mm -hmm. it it is a, a, you know, a biopsychosocial output there's many factors that are, that go into it. And then there are factors that matter more than others. And so really uh, as it relates to my assessment like i'm just trying to gather as much data as i can and then sift through what's the most important what's relevant yeah
2: would would you say like you're trying to find out the way i look at it too is like what is somebody's relationship with pain Mm. like what are their yeah what are their thoughts and you kind of mentioned that what are their thoughts behind it what's their past relationship with it um because that that kind of tells you a lot, like you say, because it's different for everybody, and that might help you help them um, in a unique way versus somebody's really like I, for me, pain is different for everybody that I see. Um, you know, somebody like the the football player who comes into your clinic who's used to getting like literally destroyed every game. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. So their relationship with pain is quite different than somebody else. Yeah. And we must respect that because they're, they're given pain, even if it showed up on the scale as the exact same thing, um, or in a, in a simple questionnaire, might be a completely different thing. and drug companies have ruined our relationship with pain in general also. Everyone's afraid mm. of pain. It's like that's mm-hmm. an important signal exactly. for you to say true. something is
0: not going like it should. Um, maybe do something about it. And, yeah. and like all, if all you do... We always get that uh, engine light analogy in in the TFC seminar. It's like, yeah, pain is your engine light going off in your car. If all you do is put a piece of masking tape over it and pretend like you just fixed your engine, shit's not going to go well. So I think it's just like we've gotten used to covering up pain and not actually understanding that pain is an important signal to say that we need to, it's a call for change. A multifactorial call for change. It doesn't say what you need to do. That's the problem. I wish pain was like, yeah, your knee hurts, but it's also because of this, this, and this. And people would be like, okay, I
3: get it. Yeah, but, but you're you're right. It's like, it's a call to do, it's a call to action, right? It's mm-hmm. a, it's meant for you to do something different, right? And then that really fits with what we started talking about. Like we're agents of behavior change. And so pain is really just your, your ticket. It's just your ticket there. Okay, something's got to be done different. And we're going to show you what you need to do different mm-hmm. in order to get back to what you want. So I don't know, maybe that's what we do.
2: Yeah, that's come kind of like full circle where it's, I don't know. P- people are coming to you. Pain is, pain is the, the reason they're coming to you. And then pain requires change. We're here to help you change. Like that's, mm. that's really kind of what it is. Mm. And we have, you know, a broad array of potential tools that we can use. And if we rely too heavily on any given tool, we might get led astray mm. and kind of away from initially why they're, they're needing to be, you know, there needs to be this change in the first place or what that change might need to be. Because I think if you take, um, you know, if you look too closely at any given thing, you might lose the big picture again from mm-hmm. what we were talking about along the way. And that might not be the actual driver or, or one of the many reasons that their pain might be there. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, like I think, well, one of the realizations for me was that it doesn't, I was trying to work really hard to get good at treating specific things. Like, okay, this person has knee pain. I'm going to get a laser beam focused that biomechanically sorting out their movements so they don't have knee pain. But, and you get really good at like correcting the issue. So if it's a hip mobility issue, I can't hinge, whatever it is, correct that. But then I found I was under-emphasizing the requirement to say, you sit all day, so you do eight hours to demobilize your hips. And I'm showing you how to do 30 minutes to mobilize your hips. I think I need to start... Stop spending as much time trying to get incrementally better at troubleshooting the biomechanical problem. And I have to get better at helping people understand how to take away the negatives that are causing these problems and also build uh, better habits. uh, Like be able to actually make a sustainable change. Instead of doing the diet of getting rid of your knee pain and doing a little bit of exercises and then falling off the bandwagon. It's like getting people to understand what a balanced not movement practice but like what 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 a balanced day with movement Mm -hmm. it looks like at least and then help them be like okay this is the first step we can do to get you there you're not going to stand and move around all day tomorrow okay you're not going to blast up your cubicle in the middle of the office and be like i'm standing (laughs) Um, so so it's like how how can you get the ball rolling and even like be someone that helps stimulate change in the workplace you're in because my mom works for the government of canada everyone sits she wants to stand i've told her to stand and and I think she understands the benefit of it, but she's like, I, I can't look over everyone else's cubicle mm-hmm. when I'm there. Like, it's just, it's going to be weird. So it's always a catch-22. It's like, okay, well, how do you help that person? It's like, okay, do you sit on the couch at the end of the day for an hour and a half watching Netflix? That's where we're going to target. That's the low-hanging fruit. But right. the goal is, like, get them, just start the snowball rolling. Because then they see how good they're going to feel after just not sitting on a couch. So they're going to be like, I don't want to sit at work either all day. Well, that's... No?
2: Kind of the domino effect too. It's just like you change, you get them to change one thing, and then it affects other areas. But I wasn't even
0: focusing on the changing the bad Mm -hmm. things. I was focusing on treating the isolated problem, and I realized I'm like, this is not this is not bang for the buck where it needs to be. Yeah, Yeah, you know it needs to be, uh, and so like education is the biggest part. Even like when you go about correcting a problem, okay, that's a tiny part of it. And I think we weren't given, we were given a lot of ways to troubleshoot specific problems in school, but we were never given like. I was never, maybe it was just me. Maybe I didn't pay attention enough to class. I don't know. But I was never told. <laughs> maybe I missed the hinge section too while I was at it. <laughs> maybe I was I'm never. Trying, to- I'm
3: trying to think back. Maybe I was bullshitting. Like, i <laughs> never heard the word hinge. I know yeah. for a fact. So I hope it went in there. Maybe
0: maybe Walton was like, guys, we gotta learn. We got to teach kids out of it. it was
3: just like people in our class. Like we had, we had enough athletic guys in our class who like, were familiar, and then like me okay, so and me like uh, well, and then I, me and another guy came from Waterloo, and we were like like Stu McGill students, and we like have had been hinging since like birth. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes Stuk. Stuk. Okay. <laughs> Stu. Like, is the best. <laughs> yeah, he sat beside
0: us that performed better one year, and look over. His mustache is way bigger in real
2: life, (laughs) so it's impressive. But he was such a cool dude. Yeah, he just like spoke
0: very. And and whenever someone else, like another speaker, I can't remember what it was. It's always Gray Cooks talks at the end that attract like Stew or like Charlie Wandgraf. All the all the speakers go to see Gray. It's Mm -hmm. very. It's kind of interesting. Well, they all kind of cross pollinate each other. But but it was interesting to hear him have like just a an off the cuff conversation with someone. He's very like. You can tell he knows his shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just his answers are so nonchalant and to the point with no fat. I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. that guy. Did he
2: teach you?
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, w- I was lucky enough to, to take his low back disorders class. Yeah, it was sweet. Cool. Was and that great. was an undergrad? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, oh, was, that's a treat. That's crazy. It was a treat.
0: See, that wouldn't, yeah. Like, we didn't get much of that. We got, like, biochemistry
2: watching cartoon videos of molecules. It's like, uh, we're both bio, biology background. So, uh, with psychology. Being the minor, so it's a it's a different because yeah. like I know like ninety five percent of our class took um, human kinetics. Ki- human kinetics or kinesiology, yeah. so
0: some people even did the cadaver lab before. Uh, that yeah, was, that was interesting. Eh?
2: Yeah, that was that was very. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is very interesting. But, yeah, but, yeah,
3: but it was. It, I was just going to say, like, I wanted to go back to what you were saying, man, because it's so important, I think, that you had the realization, I think, um, that theme you were talking about was the the understanding that, okay, I have 30 minutes with this person, Mm. and the other 23 and a half hours of their day... And then how, however often you see them in a week, like I don't know, maybe twice max, maybe like once, yeah. whatever. So how do you maximize so, your impact? So it's yeah, and and it boils down to educating, right? Mm-hmm. So and yeah, like t- sometimes taking away some of the modifiable risk factors are the big big things, as opposed to adding your correctives. Like they're they they're both important, but um, I think people are much more. Um, like maybe like removing some of the modifiable stuff is, is an easier means for people to get started. And mm-hmm. then eventually, yeah, like you have to address like the, the way they move. And if, if something's bothering them, you can't just keep doing the same old thing and expect it to change. Like maybe it will, maybe it won't, but mm-hmm. if it's still persisting, then yeah, you got to teach them how to move. But I love that you, you just like, you're like, shit, I, I'm teaching all these correctives when really, um, people might just settle back into the same old ways after, Mm. after things have resolved. And then, you know, you get to, to thinking like, have I really helped that person? Mm -hmm. And it's something I've been thinking a lot about too. And, and, you know, on, on one end where, uh, you, you want to be able to empower and give people as much, you know, intrinsic motivation and and self-efficacy as you possibly can. Um, that that's important, but then at the same time, like you gotta sometimes some people need to be in the clinic to to get like you need to hammer things home, and so they need mm-hmm. that accountability factor too and it's just a, a a strange dance you have to do with different people mm-hmm. and so but yeah, like at the end of the day, like you don't have a lot of time with somebody, and so yeah. the sometimes the biggest tangible that can be taken away is just a simple piece of education and that can have a big domino effect, like you talked about, Mike. So, I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough to read people and know like one little thing might be the difference, or you might have to, you know, have a totally different approach. It just depends.
2: But ultimately, I, I think we're in a good position to be able to treat like that. Like I said, seeing kind of where it's going or where we think it might go. Um, okay, well, what's a I perfect think, world? How long do you, okay. well? So, yeah, how like in terms of how like, long? What? Yeah,
0: like I think about this a lot. I'm like, okay, in an ideal perfect world where you have no restraints in terms of like, like I was take money out, but take the actual average business structure and say like, okay, you are going to work for company X. Company X's mission is to make people healthier. What, how do you want to, if someone comes in, they're like, okay, we're just going to start sending you people. You can do whatever you want see them, whatever frequency you want. You get paid enough to make the living you want. That person it's free for, but they need help. Mm-hmm. What would you predict would be the sweets? Because there's 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 different ways. I'm just curious to see how everyone thinks of this. So just say like if, what what if do you, p- you think would be the the best way to do
2: that? If you, are you asking just like like a time per appointment thing or yeah? If so like had- a, like
0: a, that person doesn't work. Like take out all the variables. It's like how frequently do you think would be the optimal. Um, what would be the optimal length of an appointment? Like, this is from a physio, like, business standpoint. What would be the optimal length of an appointment and what you would think would be the frequency to see them at to make a real change? Do you think it would need to change from what it is right now? You know what I mean? That's a deep question. but It
3: is. Well, my first thought is, like, the, the more complex pain uh, clients that I see, I would not want to see them just myself. Like, I, mm-hmm. I would want to have other other types of professions on board to to help me out like i i would want to within have within like, intra appointment or, or uh probably not not the but yeah uh no so that, but but that like is my first thought that um, yeah that's a good thought actually like i don't think uh like i think it would be silly for me to say that you know if i am seeing well I think we'd all agree that people with like long-term persistent complex pain presentations often have like a lot of complex baggage attached 100%. to their lives right so so like
0: a center where they see person a health professional a which might mm-hmm. be more of a like mental health
3: related yeah. profession
0: and then they but and everyone speaks like yeah. everyone okay yeah, yeah everybody's, everybody's on everybody's the, the same
3: everybody's on the same page as far as like Uh, yeah under a biopsychosocial model and they just get it and they're Mm. they're all speaking the same language like yeah i'd want to have like a psychologist on board i'd like maybe yeah maybe like somebody mental health related and then like a physiotherapist is well positioned from like um just an activity perspective and managing pain and other aspects and I don't know. Maybe others too. Like I'm, I'm. I haven't really thought about it a whole lot, but definitely psych. Like I would definitely want psychologists on. Board. I think you'd
2: all rub off on each other too. So you. Mm-hmm. I can't. I think that's a big problem: is the disconnect between different, um, you know, fields, even within healthcare. So. For sure. So it's like you don't speak the same language as this. Um, as this People person get, who's also treating this message. person. Yeah. Yeah. So. It, I think having a place where you all speak the same language and you know a little bit about what other people are coming from enough to, to know that they're in good hands and they could rub off on you. Um, and I think just, I think that'd be helpful that health practitioners of, in different fields kind of know a little bit more about what people, what each other do. Mm-hmm. Um, so they could better play the game and speak the same language and, and know that their field, um, or particular area of practice Interacts um, and overlaps with with ours quite a bit more than each other thinks, so we should yeah. probably talk about these overlapping features as well so yeah. because always I always like to uh, and it's not always
0: realistic, but you try and think okay do you t- what's the best way to make people healthy or keep people healthy like Trudeau comes to you tomorrow is like Nick Hannah, Nick <laughs> I saw you on social media. I like your shit. Uh, how do we? Our health system is not working. What's what do we need to do? We gotta start today. Okay, you gotta start at some point. So, what is the biggest thing that needs to change today
3: in order oh to get people God. healthier? So crazy, man. Like sub Jay, sub Justin, yeah, so- <laughs> uh, <laughs> props. shout out, uh, dude. That's so. I don't know if I'm educated enough to to answer that question none of us are but it's, just, it's a funny it's a
0: fun thought experiment
3: like just it is. because I
0: think like yeah it's a fun thought experiment to play it's like okay I think the easiest place the low hanging fruit we did an episode on this about physical, physical education in school like you literally learn ah, for school. a certain period of time That's when you're experience. a young kid you learn some of the most useless shit ever and you don't learn a lot of the important things that you will need for the rest of your life like think about the amount of things you learned in, in high school Obviously, being in social relationships, learning to speak to other people, all that stuff's very important. But like, what if calculus? Like, how much calculus are you use in everyday? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Like, it, yeah you know, I could say that re- repeat what I just said to five other topics. But if you learned a tiny bit about because I've taught like ten year olds about sleep. Okay, mm-hmm. you got to like play around. You got to play games with them a little bit to try and get them interested in it. But it's like, did you know that you can be, you'll be a faster basketball player if you sleep eight hours a night? you know or if yeah. you instead of sitting down and play video games you stand you stand on one leg like whatever whatever you got to do to teach them but like say you taught kids in grade six, seven, eight, nine, ten, or 12 because you're you're not an adult who am i kidding but you're more mature grade 10 11 12 you learn about sleep you learn the fundamental basics of how you got to eat to not be obese mm-hmm. like just to poo good and not be obese <laughs> this is what you need to eat real simple okay <laughs> And then <laughs> this is what you got to do to move. Instead of throwing dodgeballs at each other or doing bicep curls, this is how you do a squat and a lunge. And if you lose the ability to do that, your knees and your back are going to break down. Like mm-hmm. that would be so easy
3: to that's teach in good, school. That's a good that's a good avenue. And then imagine school. if if kids like learn more about pain. Yeah. Like, that too. At an early age. And
2: their cell and their cel- selves and say, like psychology or yeah. just yeah, yeah. Like, or how, how to defend the- against Instagram dopamine bumps.
1: Well,
2: no, just like real world shit. Like essentially it's real world shit. We got to teach people at a younger age, more real world shit. That's going to actually help them in the world as opposed to, um, standardized education that's currently, currently given. Because I think we're entering a time where there's more and more, like, I think that the world's getting more complex and people need more strategies to get down to like, okay, how can I make it physically and psychologically through this world? Um, and Mm. be, you know, baseline, you know, happy and healthy. How can I have a life that I actually, uh, that, that, I, that I like or enjoy and get through this thing? Because I, I think it's just, like I said, it's just people are, are getting so confused over mm. like the social media thing, the technology, and it's just getting faster and faster paces of advancement. So teach people the, the real world shit that they need that, yeah. that underneath all of that, they can manage this crazy world, I think.
3: Yeah, when so much of what we know about even pain in general the people who don't do well, the biggest predictors of that, are oftentimes just the way they think about it and mm-hmm, the, yeah. the way they think things are going to go. Mm-hmm. Like they are, they are quite literally predicting their own future by just catastrophizing the hell out of <laughs> it. Yeah, it's like a what is that called?
2: Confirmation bias.
3: Or if it's, you think something bad's going to happen, something bad happens. Yeah, and it's
2: the nocebo effect. In, in, so
0: in so if
3: if people know, like if people are taught like basic. Uh, Yeah, like the like the four the things that like diet and you know doctor quiet doctor movement and doctor happy like those like we we need that kind of stuff earlier on so that yeah when shit goes south and it will it's gonna happen it's part of being a human being then you at least have some of your own strategies to deal with it Um, because in an ideal world like it would be nice to see that. We don't have a chronic pain epidemic that is getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah, and yeah, something's got to give eventually.
0: And that's way more. Okay, we gotta go to Justin. Yeah, yeah. There you go, JT. <laughs> hey, Justin, take it and run. Take it and run. Do what you did with the weed, baby. <laughs> Um, no, but, like, that's that's what you just said. That's way less complex than how, like, helium and molybdenum combine together in a fucking... Like, come on. That's, a, that's so much more practical. So why... the Same thing. Like, obviously, the teachers and people that make these curriculums are just trying to... They think that this is what kids need to learn to succeed in life. Yeah. But I think they just... They're not... Or maybe it's just the old... It's just the system I that currently exists. the this. person... <laughs>
2: but, but it's, like... They need to, to be taught critical thinking skills, too. Mm-hmm. It's like underneath all of this information, how do you process the information? Yeah, um, yeah. Or how do you construct the world? Like, what is your view of it? Um, how do you think about things? How do, you, how do you use rationality and all of this? So I think that's another part of school if we're talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And I mean, teach people
0: it, to be good th- like thinkers and to critically yeah. evaluate shit. Like, there's only going to be more and more information available yeah. at people's fingertips way easier as time goes on. So if you don't know how to filter that shit... Doesn't matter if you know how to add numbers. Okay, you have a supercomputer in your pocket, enough of the calculus. If you you need to know how to filter good information from bad information and make your own critical decision-making pathway of being like, okay, is this good information? Should I do this in my life, or is this bad information? Should I not do it? Mm -hmm. Because I don't. We all leave like robots knowing a lot of individual information, but not good thinkers from school. I feel. Yeah, and we
3: get so emotional, and we have this inability to detach an idea from a personality like we become Mm. so attached to like a certain ideas and we will you know get so personally offended when somebody doesn't agree with an idea we have I wish we would just you know (laughs) learn that ideas are are just ideas and it it doesn't represent like who you are and and Mm. people get so fired up and they get so pissed off at each other and we we argue with each other just to get you know, somebody to see our point of view and Mm -hmm. really we should be arguing to try and get to the truth. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what you see on social media is just people arguing to get somebody else to see their point of view when really we're not, you know, just, you know, stripping down all the arguments and seeing everybody's side and just trying to get at the truth, which is what uh, I think we should be doing in our Mm -hmm. professions, in all health professions, really. Um, yeah we
0: 're team we always say we 're on team help humans be, be healthier yeah it 's like why are we getting distracted on your team is a slightly different color than mine, but we
2: 're on the same side yeah. and why do you and why do you why would you not want to know the truth mm. i think that 's the it 's like we all should want well, to know the truth and yeah, we shall sometimes. be working towards getting yeah. it but there 's all these factors like you say there's the emotional the system sometimes too i, I don 't think that 's the norm but but I, there the is. emotional system I think is a big. A big one where we we can't kind of do that separation dance where it's like okay, um, you know it, it's just we have trouble with that disconnect from motion to rational thinking. So ultimately, it's like we've gotta we've gotta play the dance between those two systems um, and kind of understand why. But but ultimately, we should all kind of agree on uh, you know on our ways of approaching the truth and um, and go, be going towards it collectively I and think. always
0: be willing to challenge the truth and admit that you're wrong. It's like it's okay to be wrong, people. Yeah. If you get yeah. better information. It would be silly to not admit you're wrong, yeah. right? And then just refuse to implement better information now that you have better facts just because you're stuck on that old way of doing things. Yeah, Like so many people are resilient. Like I'm looking forward just looking to- looking at the ego, right?
2: And uh, yeah. just looking at the ego and say so like, oh, there's that guy. Like, well, I feel I, bad. I, like, Do you remember in the,
0: the London TFC seminar, we get to this section of the seminar to talk about orthotics and how like we basically just shred them in a logical hmm. like polite way. But there was a couple podorthists. There's a guy that literally made orthotics in that seminar, and I was like, oh, it feels kind of weird. But but I'm not saying anything for this. Then I, it actually like made me reevaluate all the points. I'm like, am I being too harsh here? And I was like, no, I'm just saying these because they're just like facts, you know. I was like, this is the truth. I think this is the truth. And mm-hmm. I and part of you like hopes you're like, I hope this guy said something that would that would go counter to this because I want to learn what the better way is. Right? We just get so tribal and saying you think differently than me. We're on different tribes. We got to defend our position more so than it's like. I always make the analogy it's like people argue all the time. Square has four corners. No, it has four sides. And they just keep arguing. (laughs) It's like, dude, it's the same square. They have both.
2: I think we got to check ourselves constantly, too, right? Oh, that's a big thing. Absolutely. Because we can fall, even if we can see it in other people, it's like we got to check ourselves and be like, damn dude you're you're becoming
3: tribal like like anybody else right Mm so it's human yeah it's it's human nature it is but we got to be we don't the 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 forces of evolution that got us to where we are now like a lot of them we don't need anymore right like Mm -hmm. we're doing pretty good so we have to like actually you know understand them and and realize that when your heart starts beating and you get super fired up when somebody says something to you online like it's going to be okay, right? Yeah. Like just yeah, yeah. <laughs> let it go yeah. and like try and see their point of view and like let it pass. It's like, yeah, it's just your your very primal sort of old brain just getting fired it's up. It's hard though. And it's constant.
0: Have- it's a constant battle to like evaluate that and do that that judgment, yeah. that
2: judgment that you just said. It's like... You got to do that frequently. Yeah, and it's we, hard to separate yourself. The lizard from from wants to come out a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah you know? it's so true. But we got to figure out collectively how to navigate the world that that is yeah. right now because it's a lot. Like you say, it's a lot different than the world that was. You know, it's exponential. So even a hundred years ago it was quite a different world. Thousand years ago, it, we're mm-hmm. we're living like, and that's a speck. Uh, Ten thousand years ago is a speck in terms of our well, hardware hasn't changed since then. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing. Is like hardware pe- hasn't changed. People are just having trouble with navigating navigation of this. I think everyone is, and if they if they tell you they're not, they're they're not really being truthful with you. Because I don't really yeah. think that anybody truly knows, yeah, kind of how to navigate this this 2018 society. You think qu- it's getting course. worse? Yeah. You think
3: it's going to accelerate? It's accelerating. I think it is accelerating too. So. Yeah, we're trapped in like these sympathetic states, right? Like mm-hmm. we're just yeah, like because we everyone, love like- our phones, man. People yeah, are hijacking our
0: consciousness. The mo- the better you hijack someone's consciousness, the more money you make. Instagram yeah. is really good at hijacking consciousness. It's yeah, why billion dollars or whatever it is. It's like it seems like everyone is fighting for every ounce of attention that we're willing to be mm-hmm. more desperate to get it with more novelty or more flash. And it's yeah. like people almost get bombarded and overwhelmed, and then it's like then our bodies start to break down because they're not meant for that.
3: Yeah, and we start to lose sight of like what it means to be a human being. Right. And it's like, that's very not like, like social media is just not natural. Like we're just not wired for it. I know. And yeah, like they have the (laughs) algorithm. Oh yeah. They have the algorithms to like really own our attention. Yeah, Right. And yeah, like we talked about it even before this podcast, like, yeah, like our phones got us sometimes Mm. and uh, yeah, you gotta be smart enough to know when to just stop that and realize that it's getting in the way of things. You see, it. you see it. It's like a little wizard just whispering. To people. <laughs> people are just sucked sucked onto it.
0: Wow! Yeah, Pokemon yeah. Go in the middle of the street. Like that was luckily that was a I don't know. That was short lived. eh was short lived, but
2: there's probably still some like beast Pokemon Go <laughs> players. One guy won who,
0: the game. He was so good at it. Everyone's yeah. like, screw it. But true.
2: I don't know. I need to get. I need to get to that. Maybe you get me out more. What Pokemon Go?
0: <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I've got like a couple. Th- this would be an interesting thought-provoking question. So you have a lady that comes in with knee pain. Whatever. She's 35. She has knee pain. She's 300 pounds. So she's not very... T- she's Or she's obese. Because I've thought about this a lot. Because I've had mm-hmm. a few people like this. And I'm like, I'm going to try a different approach now. Because I don't know which one works best. So she comes in. She's got knee... Like her right knee hurts. But she's obese. So how do you... Like, obviously this can be very multifactorial. But let's take yep. those two dimensions. She has knee pain. But she's, um, but she's severely overweight. What one of those do you... So you're a physical therapist. What one of those do you tackle? Because I've done this both ways and the way that is very different that I don't treat her knee, put it that way. Because to me, the knee is not the problem. The knee is a byproduct of a very serious problem mm-hmm. and if she's still having that problem and has had this problem for a while, no one is
3: actually helping her address the problem. I'm with you. Like I, like I yeah. think you need to. You have to be very delicate in that conversation yes. but it, is but, it uh, is
0: but but it's important to have these conversations because like we're not we're both trying to help that person so how yeah. the hell do we deal with this because it's not it wouldn't be in that like you can't mobilize you can't yeah. even touch her knee joint you tell me you're going to mobilize it because i've seen people do that and it's mm-hmm. like i understand you probably maybe you don't know what else to do with this lady but i've seen people mobilize a knee that you can't even get to their knee joint and it's like i don't know i know you're trying to help them but i don't know if all you're doing is touching their skin and maybe that's what that I don't know. I didn't know that person's case, but part of me is always like, okay, we need to get good at helping people understand what habits are creating their true problem. Yeah.
3: Yeah, And it's, well, if you were to go with the approach of targeting just the knee, like go at the knee pain, right. Mm -hmm. Without addressing. Yeah. Like what, what are, you know, maybe true lifestyle uh, Mm -hmm. problems that Mm -hmm. are are really leading to this. It's like the problem or the person. Yeah. And, and, and so, they go. Then they go in with the expectation that oh, okay, this can, is something that can be fixed, and everything else is okay. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I mean. I, I, I think like you're doing a disservice to that person by setting them up for that expectation. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't get there, um, then then physio doesn't work, right? Mm-hmm. Then there you run into yeah. that problem. And then if you do get there, then they go on thinking that you know the other aspects of what they're doing are are okay and. Um, you know if it happens in the future then I can just go back to the same service and get fixed again yeah. and it's not the solution long term so um, yeah you, you can't I don't think the the correct approach is to look at that specific knee pain you gotta mm-hmm. look at the whole person in that case
0: because I had that situation once where and so I had that exact patient but she had a knee replacement and then she came in was gonna do her, pre, her rehab or whatever and I was like did your did your surgeon speak to you about diet like how controlling your diet to try and reduce your weight she kind of looked at me and like she was she was caught off guard that i mentioned mm. that and i thought that was just a standard i was assuming the answer was yes yeah it's like okay i'm going to replace your knee joint but we need like at least con- telling that person to go consult someone with diet like obviously she knows she's overweight her surgeon knows that but if the surgeon didn't say anything about her knee breaking down partially because you know but your, your one knee is not designed to load with one hundred and fifty pounds right mm-hmm. you you have two times the normal load on that knee with something that's modifiable that you can change you know through diet if that wasn't even mentioned like I think that's a problem in the healthcare yeah, system huge. right like okay and then I was like well I'm not a diet expert, but I know I can help this lady understand maybe because it's less about telling her what to eat and just maybe saying strategies about not to eat as many of those bad things. Mm
2: -hmm. Right. And that's not really like, but it's just, I think the the main point you're trying to make is like
0: just
1: address,
2: address the, the pro like address the problems that need to be addressed and, and do it in a very, Do it in a manner that that you can, but you can't ignore the factors that need to be addressed. Well, yeah, you do both, but I never would have focused on help trying to no exactly to help. But I think the problem is, uh, if if it's a difficult thing to address, then the answer is don't address it. It's get better at finding out how you can address it in a Mm -hmm. way that is. Uh, meaningful to this person in front of you but like you say i think it's just the fear of not wanting to address things that ultimately yeah. probably should be addressed and maybe like you say maybe yeah. you're the only person who address it um we need to figure out better strategies to maybe navigate navigate that so we can answer these or address these things because part of it's like you don't offend like no no, no I, never, I get in trouble never. with this all the time because I I,
0: I I don't try and be people's friend um, I don't try and hurt their feelings, but, 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 I'm not, I don't sugarcoat shit because I, I find it just mm. distracts some things, but maybe I should, because that gets me in trouble a lot. It depends, um. right?
3: <laughs> like some, some people maybe need that, just like mm-hmm. that, that very blunt, honest, mm-hmm. you know, approach. And then other people, yeah, they're going to take it, it, you know, tremendous offense to it like instantly. Mm-hmm. And it's going to like, they the shields are going to go up and then, you know, you're lost. And so, yeah,
0: exactly. So it's a double, I guess you just yeah. gotta get
3: better. I gotta be, get better at reading people to see which approach of those two. Yeah, like, it's almost
0: like you massage one and then you massage the other, and whatever responds better, you go that route. But
2: and I think we use strategies that would work for us on other people. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's like we're we're Im- we're making a mirror image of ourselves and be like, hey, here's what I would respond to. Yeah, so exactly. here's how I'm going to yeah. tell this person to respond to. Yeah. So like I think like building empathy and figuring out, okay, like who is this person? How what would, what would be the right way to approach it? Yeah
3: and motivational interviewing is like a way that to try and get people to see in themselves like how they could go about changing and it's very like uh, i don't know if you guys are very familiar with a ton of that stuff i try and use it but i like i'm just on scratching the surface as as it relates to to that motivational
0: interviewing yeah
3: like those are approaches Hmm. to try and like there's uh, if you read up on it, you'll read about like change talk and you'll hear people say something and that will be like an avenue that you can lead into, um, to try and instill them to, um, you know, open up and, and maybe see that they have an ability to change something about themselves. Hmm. Um, I, I just use a lot of questioning, right? Like the, I, I think instead of like giving people information, it's better to, to question and, they almost come to the conclusion um, themselves. Sometimes. Yeah, like, is there anything else that you think might be leading to this problem? <laughs> you yeah, know I keep mean? asking Any, Anything else? <laughs> you know, <is> there? <laughs> but, yeah. but no, if you ask questions, it allows you, well, first of all, it allows them to open up more, you to explore more about their own thoughts, their own psyche behind where they're at. And, you know, ultimately, then you can t- figure out, like, if they're even willing to change aspects of themselves, mm-hmm. which... A lot of times, people aren't right, and and it just makes our job even more difficult.
0: Right? And then it's like, okay, well, why? Because I was asking myself, okay, if you're if you're not interested in changing this, is it because, like, do you know all the benefits and the and the the pros and the cons of this situation? Right, like the parallel that I can make is like footwear. People don't want to change the shoes they wear, right? Everyone's in love with their pointed, cute, heeled shoes, and it's like, okay. You're an adult. You can make your own decisions about what footwear you make. But uh, do you know the consequences of wearing this type of footwear long-term? Because I because a lot of people, once they're educated on the fact that their foot will deform over time and mm-hmm. they will constantly have a battle with foot pain if they jam their foot into terribly non-human-shaped casts, <laughs> this is the problem. Like, yeah. I, I just want you to have the right information so you're saying to make good decisions.
2: Most people aren't given the right information. That's the problem. I think yeah. it's both, like... They need the right information, but then they ultimately, it comes down to them wanting to to do the change. To do the change.
0: But yeah. it's, it's ultimately yeah.
3: psychology that's going to bring them yeah. down the people right road. People know that cigarettes are terrible for them. Yeah. People know that, you know, smoking causes cancer. Man, I'm still surprised so when I So it's smell not so necessarily. A lot of people still smoke, right? And yeah. with
2: all the information, it's not necessarily an education thing, right? It's like. Yeah. A, well, it's it's not necessarily them an information thing, a lack of information thing. Yeah. So, if, yeah, some, sometimes people sometimes it people is. Do, sometimes you're it is. right. But, but
3: some be- times people do people know exercise is good for them. Yeah. Right? People know that. Mm-hmm. But they don't do it. Right? It's not enough to It's too easy not to. Yeah, it's not That's enough to to know that something's good for you. It's got it's figuring out okay, like what about your life and about y- your brain right now is not wanting to do the thing that is going to help you. Okay,
0: well, this yeah. is okay. This is a very. I just read a book recently by James Clear. It's called Atomic Habits. I highly recommend it because when he breaks down essentially how habits are made and how habits are broken, like into a very primal thing, to the point where it's like humans are creatures that are designed and adapted to use the least amount of energy possible to survive. Mm-hmm. So ten thousand years ago, that was great. Yeah, right. If you're not That's hunting, awesome. then you're not doing shit because you're conserving energy. You're you know, in a good environment, you're resting, conserving glucose, right? You're conserving energy. But now, Amazon and Uber Eats will do everything for you, <laughs> shy of going, shy of wiping your bum. You know, like like you cannot do. You you have the opportunity to do that now. That's all I'm saying. You it, don't need to. You know,
2: it is true related to that because it's like so. The the way our society is designed right now no longer requires us to implement the things that would have naturally made us healthy in the past. So now it's a psychological game to try to say, like, okay, well, I know these things. Because we wouldn't have had to ask these questions thousands of years ago. Mm -hmm. I would have been eating pretty well. I would have been uh, moving, walking, breathing, conversing with people, being in a group. All of these things would have been just givens. Mm -hmm. So so now that they're not... then these are the things okay these are things we need to incorporate back in our lives then it's like okay well how come we aren't doing them because we know they're good and we know that's how we need to be to be healthy mm-hmm. like well-rounded human beings but when you know what
0: you're evolved to gravitate towards it then beca- the big thing that he said is you need to engineer your environment mm-hmm. to yeah. uh, disable beautiful. failure so yeah beautiful like you cannot you have to know that you have to know that if there's candy on on a, on the counter you're always gonna eat the candy. You have to make that assumption because it's extre- your motivation. Your lizard brain is eventually gonna come out. You're gonna have a tiny lapse, and you're just gonna be like, "I want all the candy now." <laughs>
2: or so, there's your social media too. It's like if your yeah, phone's the right there, media, you're gonna be right. on it. But
0: yeah. if you never, if you make sure there's never ever candy there, your life isn't that much worse, and the temptation is gone. So you you just engineer your environment so like good habits happen. It's like, you know what I mean? Because it, it mm. was very. The way he explained it was very powerful as a way to break down behavior change, to take the onus off you, to say, oh, you're strong-willed
2: or whatever. It's like, no. You do, yeah. you know? you know. Yeah, and, and there's multiple ways. like, But then it's like, how do you get somebody to, to want yeah. to engineer their environment? Yeah. How do you yeah. get them to that point? We
0: just find out what's the hardest part. Well, I, I can't not buy – when I go into the grocery store, I can't not buy this food item. And I know it's yeah. bad for me, but I cannot buy it. And then when it's home, I eat it. It's like, okay, so – Grocery store, dude, gross, I, I watched something about grocery stores and how they engineer them, the flow of products dude. and where products are to crazy. tempt the shit out of it's people crazy. to buy the more stuff. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. It's awesome. So anyway, <laughs> maybe it's, but my point is with that lady, it's like, okay, we know that it's a habit. It's so deep in there that when you go to the grocery store, you automatically go on the same route. You buy the same foods. So is there a way to get someone, to give someone a list and get them to get groceries for you just once or, or just to start things off? Mm-hmm. and then it breaks your habit or or can you go to a grocery store you've never been to before with a list and buy things because then you're not on autopilot you're not yeah, you don't you gotta cues shock that, the system you know a little the cues bit that got you to the doritos aisle, right yeah. you, like, you're, <laughs> you know what i mean like we just saw a doritos truck on the way here so that's yeah. why I was you're my brain you're primed it's like but yo you know, <laughs> there you go doritos. i know doritos i know doritos we gotta do you.
3: we just gotta bro we gotta just put chocolate bars on the top of trees <laughs> Right. Yeah! 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 Yes, yeah! Food rewards. Yeah. That's so true. I never
0: thought of that.
2: That is a good concept because. <laughs> <laughs> just, Trudeau, Trudeau,
3: yeah, I've Trudeau. got it. Yeah. Hey, JT, get back here! Get back here! We got a new one.
2: <laughs> we need Snickers trees ASAP.
3: Oh my it's like God. Those, right.
0: With monkeys, they do something, and then a thing opens with a chocolate dr- so, bar.
3: Man, you are blowing my mind with this. Uh, you know, reengineering of the, of the context of your of your situation. Because like to, one lady, I had to ha- like facilitate yeah. just better, better behaviors and healthier behaviors. I told a lady to take her to be couch to the living them. room,
0: and she does hip mobility yeah. every night now. Yeah, like that was the it was and like you have to like understand how to hack. Because for some people, it like I know if I didn't have a
3: couch, I sit on the floor every day. Talk to the architects of households. There you, you know, go. You could like one hundred percent like design whole like communities. Dude, like walking paths and like bike
1: paths. Don't give a different, don't give the
0: choice. It's like we literally designed your community so well that you have no choice but to be healthy here.
1: Yeah.
2: And how about they put parks for adults too and not just kids? Like, like honestly, like it's working on that in Ottawa. We're working on that, but we're going to figure out a way to make adult parks. My brother's in landscape uh, architecture, but we kind of rub off on him. So he Mm -hmm. sees this uh, firsthand. He's like, like, first of all, you're getting many things, community play so there's the physicality Mm -hmm. part of it Mm -hmm. um but there's also just like hey it's fun to play like it's just like Mm -hmm. there's these these things play a big part but it all comes back to like that you you need to be the engineer at so so you need to be like higher in con like in consciousness basically you need to be Mm -hmm. aware of what's going on and say okay here i'm going to be the constructor of all these things so when i divert back to my lizard brain um you know or my emotional brain I've set it up in a way that actually promotes that in a good direction Mm -hmm. because when I was more conscious, I looked at where I wanted to be and I looked at how my environment wanted to be and I kind of did it then because we know we're always going to be caught in this game between all the parts of our brain, right? Mm -hmm. We're going back and forth and back and forth. It's just being human. So that, so it's like, I think you're right. Just doing the things beforehand with foresight um, Mm -hmm. to help you along the way. It's never Mm going to be perfect, but Mm -hmm. no Mm -hmm. joke. I've
3: had discussions with My dad, who is a retired city planner, like heritage and parks planning, Mm -hmm. and he they he would talk about how there are European style um, communities that they're trying to bring into Canada and like different regions here um, where the whole community is based on getting everything that a person could need within the community mm-hmm. and within walking distance. And there are uh, parks, parks to, planned around it. There are walking paths and like hills intentionally put in. So you're um, burning more calories. And like yeah, there's local grocery stores that are close by, and everything's within moving distance, so you don't have to get in your car constantly. And so it really promotes like number one, just a sense of community, but also a more active, just healthy mm. lifestyle in general. Henry so Farms doing that. It's it's, they're it's even a growing thing. their own food there. Yeah, it's a thing, man. And
2: that is very true because it goes back to just like you know us living. That's a big component. It, it covers the it, it checks the boxes of us living how we were kind of supposed to mm-hmm. live right and that's if we like, can
0: do that dude there's so much potential there too because right now if you go in if you're 75 and you can't live alone you go into a retirement home you sit in front of a tv mm-hmm. for a lot of that time or playing cards or like you sit a lot right it's not a movement centric environment right. and that just essentially fast tracks a lot of the bad stuff that's right. already you've already done to your body right what if you took that with the concept of making a movement centric community and make it so that the last 20 years of your life, you're literally spending optimizing your body and undoing some of the time your work career, mm-hmm. some of the effects that your work career might've had on you in terms of your brain, in terms of your body, all that kind of stuff. Like there's so much potential in that. Like, I think that's, that's not being explored. Maybe it is in certain places, but I, I haven't heard of a place. Cause like the way we do later life is not is shitty. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: I think part of that is like a, Again, back to Trudeau, you're, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> this is going straight to his inbox. <laughs> that's, that's a low-hanging fruit. Like in the, I, I agree. E- even though it might be resource-intensive in terms of like, let's say, I think it is kind of a low-hanging fruit because if you just, boom, slap. Dude, put health resources in that bucket too. It's not resource-intensive it, at all. It, not it, not yeah. doing it no exactly. intensive yeah. In the ultimate grand scheme of things, it's really not. It's, almost like, it's like if we can construct these better things for the people to participate mm. in and, and mm-hmm. people to use – um and even people to share it's like put these things out there for people to have the at least the 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 opportunity to use because that's going to change a lot of people right um Mm -hmm. so yeah i think it's man you could yeah sometimes
0: i take certain herbs and makes me think of like true potential of certain things like you could have a small retirement community i think i saw this on a uh, documentary somewhere the people the people in this retirement home had to keep chickens and just keeping, everyone had to do their own duty of clean the coop out and all that kind of stuff. And like the satisfaction of all the seniors that lived there shot through the roof because they mm-hmm. all had a sense of purpose. Yeah. They're like, we got to keep these chickens alive. We got to get our <laughs> eggs. We got to take care of things. And everyone had to do a part. It like gave them a sense of purpose, whereas they were, did they kind of lost that. Maybe the family doesn't come see them as much. They don't have work or anything like that. So there's just so much potential the one the, okay we'll wrap this up we don't want to take too much of your time on a friday evening but the one last thing i want to talk about is um just the idea of how how you're compensated uh how you're compensated as a health professional because it's it's a weird profession okay mm-hmm. if you're if you're terrible at your job and you have to see someone for 30 visits to fix their tennis elbow you get paid a lot of money yeah and if you're really good at your job and you see them for three visits and it goes away in a month because they know how to deal with it and do the maintenance work for the rest of their life so it never comes back, right? You actually like say, this is why it's there. This is what you need to do on an ongoing basis if you're having problems. This is what you need to do to get rid of it. 30 visits, lots of money. Three visits, not very much money, but really good results. How, like, there needs to be, that's, I think, a big part of what disin- disincentivizes the the because we like we're in ottawa right federal Mm -hmm. government town there are literally mcphysio chains that have 30 clinics and 15 minutes per patient ultrasound passive modalities like this is just this is a conveyor belt just yeah just treading water and breathing as a physio is hard enough let alone actually trying to make sure you're treating these people like effectively right so so what is there what is a as a thought experiment what's a better compensation model because a patient of mine told me once about how I don't even know if this was legit, or I didn't look into it, but it made a lot of sense. In China, a doctor would be in charge of 500 people. That was that was who you were in charge of. You got paid a certain amount per year, and your pay was modified based on if people were sick. You got paid less. The more they came to see you, the less you got paid. You know, it was based on mm-hmm. how, how sick or how healthy your patients were. If your patients were really healthy, if all their metrics for health were good, you got paid more as, as a physician. If their metrics for health were poor and they had to constantly go see you, um, then you got paid less. And so you're aligning the interest of the health professional and their patients. I mean, you assume everyone wants to do good. But, but I think it brings back in line the motivation of getting better if you're rewarded based on being a good right. health professional. Like right. some, I wish sometimes there was like the Physio Olympics, and you could make clones. Maybe this will
3: happen in the future. The the biggest problem is where like funding comes from, right? Like yeah. in in a private healthcare model, like I like there's zero incentive for people to to want to change and like want to you know do as you say and like try and get people better as fast as as humanly yeah. possible. Um, which is unfortunate. I think like maybe some people need to revisit why they got into the pr- profession in the first place. Right. Like did you get into like make like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars or did you get into help people out and, mm-hmm. and help them lead healthier lives? So I'm, I mean, some people need to look in the mirror, but like I, I can see that maybe on, on a government funded basis might mm-hmm. be more realistic as a mm-hmm. means of starting that. Um,
0: Cause I think there should be a pilot program for a government funded physio or like, like you said, the health center where you have a psychologist, mm-hmm. you have a physio, you have a physician, maybe you have a mental health specialist, like you yeah. have a, a health unit and they ha- they're given a caseload of people and you do some, whatever metrics we know this would work. Mm-hmm. So whatever metrics you need to say, okay, they're in charge, this health unit is in charge of 15 or whatever, 5,000 people, for example. And we're going to see how the health of these people on a bunch of these different metrics, whether it's their movement or their pain scales or whatever it is, changes by doing it with that, with a team of people that are paid as employees of the Canadian government Mm -hmm. to take care of a group of people. You could start that with because like government, um, federal government employee health benefit insurance is taken advantage of so hardcore because they get to a point where they have unlimited coverage. So we have people like we've heard, heard stories of patients going in three times a week for over a year think of how much money that is 75 yeah. bucks a pop that is a lot of money mm-hmm. right and just think of how how much globally how much more globally that person's health could be affected in a multidisciplinary team just as a small pilot thing like that's a way better way of doing it than letting companies take advantage of loopholes right the physio right. industry is very easy to take advantage yeah. of if you just want to make money it's mm-hmm. lucrative it's it's kind of nasty actually um, but you need to like you need to engineer the system so that the best outcomes are achieved so that the best care yeah. is given so that the incentive is very clear for the business not to see people more times but to make people better yeah, like, it's not have, like, an easy like a, thing a, to a do
3: bonus structure or something like if you if you can yeah. reach a certain outcome mm-hmm. right at, over a certain timeline have like some sort of incentive put on top of that mm-hmm. i just don't know how the model like, i know i ends. don't it's know just it's, just a, it's, a, it's too a, complex, it's a complex a model, but,
0: but we can do it better yeah. than what we're doing now because now For it's, sure you know it's, it's crazy anyway yeah. man good that was, this was a good chat it's nice to just air it because we like we're basically on the audio project trying to address questions that we get on social media that are too deep to address on social media right yeah. like non non-black and white issues that you can't do 20 posts about and get the point yeah. across. So let's have a long drawn out conversation to say, these are the facts. This is the, uh, you know, this is our opinion. This is the way we're thinking right now. We don't know if it's always going to be the best way. Maybe it'll be different next week if we find out new information, but, but just having longer form conversations. And we haven't really done that with um, like about physio specifically, because I think it is, I mean, we're all physios, right? We mm-hmm. all have skin in the game. And we all, I think want this profession to progress and, and do more and be better. Um, but it's just a hard, just health in general. Like we're not doing a very good job in general, the whole healthcare system. So it's how do we get better? And you know, JT, we got your, <laughs> we got your back, man.
3: Well, things are getting worse, right? And so, like, uh, so, so we got to do something. We, yeah, like to to what to what end? And like, how far are we going to take this thing before, like, we actually look at yeah, what's the wake on a, up on moment? A policy basis on like a, a funding mm-hmm. basis, and and just like the greater healthcare system at large, like when are we going to realize that what we're doing right now isn't working mm-hmm. and you know what systems need to be implemented now so that we're not you know just drowning in in our healthcare system mm-hmm. you know for the un, like the foreseeable future really so yeah I mean it's important to have these conversations it's important to have like those hard questions asked it's just like man those are Monday questions, bro. Yeah. <laughs> this is Friday. Yeah, for the record, this is a Friday, so yeah. yeah
0: no, good, very good point. But uh, we'll do it again sometime. You're starting up a podcast at some point. You got your mic, so maybe. You got yeah. you got the first I've got, first element. I've, I've got the uh, I've got
3: the equipment necessary. Just the will I need now. It's okay. Just the will.
0: It comes. Um, um, nice chatting with you. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me on, fellas. No worries. Anyway, nice anyway you hope on. you guys enjoyed that episode. We'll catch you later.